John chapter 11. Hold your place there and also turn to Luke chapter 10. So we're going to be looking at uh, two places this morning as we go through uh, our text. So it's been a couple weeks since we've been in the book of John. And so uh, you'll remember if you've been here with us, all the things that have taken place up to this point, the ministry that Jesus has been doing, uh, the people's lives that he's been touching, and um, this controversy that we see that uh, has started between him and the religious leaders of the day. And that will continue, but it's sidelined for a little bit as we're in our text because Jesus has left Jerusalem and he's out in the countryside and he's ministering uh, in the Galilee region, region, also in Judea. And so we're going to see a time now where it's some hands-on ministry, Jesus and the people, and not near the controversy that we've been seeing in the past uh, few chapters for sure. This particular chapter, chapter 11, a lot of you are probably very familiar with it, and it's the story of Lazarus, raising Lazarus from the dead. We're not going to quite get that far uh, this morning. Lazarus is not going to be raised today, probably next week. So stay with us in that. Uh, and the reason being is I want to take the time to introduce us to a family that we're going to see in this text. Uh, the family of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So we'll start with verse 1 and we'll read through verse 5. In this text this morning, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his, wiped his uh, feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text that you have for us this morning. Uh, Lord, we do look forward to all that you want to teach us through it, the application that you have for us. So Father, once again, I ask that you just open our hearts and minds uh, to what it is that you want to impress upon us this morning as we study your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now verse 5 says that Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. This is a family that we know from Scripture, other Scripture references. They opened up their home to Jesus. They cared for Jesus. They supported Jesus in His ministry. Now we know... We know from Scripture, Jesus loves everyone, right? Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. We're His children. He loves all of us. But He did have a special relationship with, with this family. We see that in Scripture. You may have seen the t-shirt that proclaims, Jesus loves you, but I'm His favorite. Have you, have you seen that? It's a great t-shirt. It's, it's good. What we've seen in this gospel, and we'll see again and again the references that are about John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, the author of this gospel. We know that Jesus had a special relationship with him. He might have been the first person to ever wear that t-shirt. I don't know. But we've talked about this before. We've, we've mentioned, we've looked at those that were closest to Jesus. He, he had his 12 disciples. He had all the people, the throngs of people that he ministered to but he had these 12 that he had chosen. And out of that 12, he had three that he was just very close to. They got to experience uh, many things that the other nine did not. Had to do some quick math in my head there. Nine minus three, start 12, yeah. So uh, they had the privilege of being Je with Jesus and experiencing some things that the others didn't get to see and experience. Um, they were really special events uh, when he went to the house of Jairus and raised his daughter from the dead. Peter, James, and John, they were there. Uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, we know that Peter, James, and John were there. They were closer to Jesus uh, in the night that he was betrayed. They were there. They were asleep, but they were there. They were there with him. 
And we know, of course, that they were in the rowboat because that's what the song says, right? Peter, James, and John in a rowboat. Maybe most of you don't know that, I guess. But anyway, so we have documented for us uh, in Scripture those who were closer and closer to Jesus. They were privileged to experience more with Jesus by His choice. So besides these three disciples, Peter, James, and John, there's also this family that we see in our text today. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so in order for us to better understand the text that we're moving into in John chapter 11, I think it's important for us to see references to this family in other parts of Scripture. To kind of get to know, to see inside this family. To get to know Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. And one of the first places we're introduced to them is in Luke chapter 10. Flip over to Luke chapter 10 this morning, and I want us to look at this for a little while. Again, to, to gain a better understanding of the relationship that Jesus had with this family, to gain a better understanding of what they were like individually, and to gain a better understanding of their reactions and their responses as we move forward in John chapter 11. And I think that we're going to see something this morning. It may surprise some of us, some of us it may not, but that each one of us, to some degree or another, are a lot like Mary or Martha, or a combination of the two. Not Lazarus. We're not going to deal with Lazarus quite as much. I don't think anybody here this morning is dead, so we're going to kind of move past Lazarus and focus on Mary and Martha. So in John chapter 11, which we just read, we know that Lazarus becomes sick. And these two sisters, Mary and Martha, they notify Jesus that their brother is sick. They said, the one whom you love is, is sick. And then we see before Jesus get there, gets there, Lazarus dies. And then we'll see towards the uh, middle of the end of that chapter that La Jesus comes to raise Lazarus from the dead, the story that we're very... Now that's that chapter in summary. However, there's some great lessons and application for us in this familiar story if we get to know this cast of characters and see how they respond to certain things. So we're first introduced to them in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And uh, let's read that text. You guys are already there. I am not. But Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, he being Jesus, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. So the text tells us in verse 38 that it happened as they, as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she also had a sister named Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So we have this one sister, Martha. I think we can easily see that Martha has the gift of hospitality, does she not? She welcomed uh, Jesus into her home and everyone that was with him. Jesus rarely traveled alone. He had, uh, most of the time, he had all of his disciples with him. But certainly, as we've seen, he had Peter, James, and John with him. We can be assured of that. So Martha loves having people over. She, she loves to stay busy. That's Martha, the busybody, the one who's always got things going on, doesn't let any moss grow underneath her feet. She's constantly on the move doing things. And then we have this other sister, Mary, who by the verse uh, 39, we see she's sitting at Jesus' feet and she's listening to his word. So we have these two sisters, and already we can see they're drastically different, aren't they? Big difference between these two sisters. Uh, I'm sure those of you that have sisters, uh, you know and recognize that they're a lot different. We have Lacey and we have Megan, and they're very different. I'm not going to say which one is 
better than the other. There is no such thing. Uh, but one lives closer, okay? The other one moved away. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but both of them deal with dis- distractions, but in different ways. And, and what's the result? Well, we're going to see that we have Martha running on empty. And we have Mary refueling herself at the feet of Jesus. One running on empty and one refueling herself at the feet of Jesus. So Martha, she's tired, she's fatigued, she's burnt out. Versus Mary, who we're going to see is renewed, refreshed, and energized. Can you relate to that? Which one of those is you this morning? Tired, burnt out, versus refreshed, relaxed, energized. Which one are you? So this is a problem that to one degree or another we can all suffer from, can't we? It's not just exclusive to one type of person. We all are affected by that. The choice is going to be, how do we overcome that? How do we get past that? There's a little book that was written some years ago by an author by the name of Charles Hummel, and it's called The Tyranny of the Urgent. How many of you have read that book? Great little book. It's a great book, period, because it is a little book. That's the reason I like it. It's, it's a quick read. It's, it's more of a pamphlet, if you will. Uh, Tyranny of the Urgent. And at first glance, it would appear to be just another book written about time management. Now, there are a bunch of books out there written about time management. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Uh, but bottom line is, it's, they're very convicting, aren't they? Because they're basically saying, you're too busy or you've got too many priorities, you need to reshift things and just not be as busy. But this particular one is based on, gives us the example of the life of Jesus Christ and what we can learn from that. So what was the secret of Jesus' ministry? What's the premise that Jesus gives for us on time management, Jesus style, if you will? Mark chapter 1, verse 35 tells us that Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So I don't think that if we assess our day, if we assess our lives, and we look at what we've got going in the course of our day, could any of us honestly say, there's no doubt, I'm busier than Jesus was? Anybody? (laughs) I don't think we can make that claim, can we? Because we see from Scripture just what we have that was going on in the life of Jesus day to day. And there's things that are not written in this book that John tells us later on in this gospel that all the books in the world couldn't contain the things that he had done and that he was a part of. So Jesus was very busy, very busy. He was constantly in a mode of ministry. That was his focus. He set his face like flint on that which the Father had for him to do. And we see this discipline in the life of Jesus, Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He prayerfully waited for his Father's instructions. You see, Jesus didn't have this divinely drawn list of things to do today. (laughs) How many of you this morning have done that? How many of you are list people where you like to make out a list? Uh, Quite a number of you, you know. Uh, I like to make lists, but I've found that if I never date them, that works best, you know. Things to do today, but no date on it. Then I've got ultimate flexibility, right? So, uh, but Jesus didn't have this divinely inspired things to do today list in front of him He went to the Father early in the morning, spent time with the Father, and got His instructions for the day. We know that. He spent time with the Father to be prepared for whatever the day holds. So He discerned the Father's will day by day in a life of prayer. So because of this, He was able to resist the urgent urgent demands of others and stay focused. He wasn't going to be swayed away from what the Father had for him that day. He was focused in that way. We can learn a lot 
from that. Now, contrary to what you might think, we all have the same amount of time each day. The exact same amount of time. I know there's some of you that think, there's just not enough hours in the day. Well, you've got the same amount of hours as somebody else. We have 24 hours, don't we? That's all we got. We got 24 hours, but we all have 24 hours in a day. Now, we might want more, but that's all we've got. That's all we've got to work with. So our dilemma then is it goes beyond a shortage of time. It's a problem with priorities, isn't it? How many of us are very thorough when we get up in the morning to get together our things to do today list, prioritize it so that we know just exactly what we going, got going on for that day? I don't think too many of us because we're also not focused like Jesus was. Something can change our direction very quickly. So more hours in a day is not going to help. And from a time management standpoint, it's not going to help even if we have prioritized it. Because we have distractions in life, don't we? We're going to find that many times we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. Take a look at that on the screen again. We have done those things which we ought not to have done, and we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. So what does our day consist of? Four things I want to submit to you this morning. Those things that are urgent, those things that are necessary, those things that are important, and those things that are entertaining. Urgent, necessary, important, and entertaining. And I believe anything that we have going on in the course of our day would fit into one of those four categories. So in the course of our day, we typically determine then what is urgent, what has to be done, necessary, that which needs to be done, important, what we want to be done, and entertaining, just what we would rather do, period, right? <laughs> we start looking at this list and it's like, urgent, oh, that has to be done, oh, I guess I got to do that. And then we know what needs to be done. But you know, there's always tomorrow. We could do that tomorrow. Of course, what happens? Tomorrow it becomes urgent. But the things that we just want to do today. We have this, this list of things that are urgent, things that are necessary, things that are important. And there's things that we just want to do. Now, keep in mind that most of us step into that urgent category when we neglect the things that are necessary to be done, Right? If we put it off long enough, it moves from the necessary category into the urgent category. Example, at home, I know I need to take out the trash. But if I neglect it, it'll start to stink, it'll start to overflow, and then it becomes what? Urgent. I need to get it out of there before Chris gets home, okay? It needs to be removed and out of the kitchen, okay? Uh, and another example, I need to pay bills. We all have to do that, don't we? If I don't pay my electric bill on time, which is necessary, right? Then I get a final notice prior to disconnection. Not, not that I've ever you know, got one of those, but uh, <laughs> I've heard that from other people, that you get this red with black letters. That's what they told me. That's how they explained it to me. So it's urgent to pay that then before it goes dark. If I don't pay it, the lights go out, don't they? So, we have our list of things to do today. Whether it's written down or whether it's a mental thing, which also gives us some insight into our personality type, doesn't it? I got this. Mine like a steel trap. I can remember these things. No, I need to write it down. I need to write a list. I don't have to write a list much, I'll be honest with you, because Chris is a list writer. Chris makes a list for everything. And that keeps me going the way I need to go, okay? <laughs> so we have these things that we need to be done, those that are necessary. We have things that we want to be done, important. And we have things that we would rather do, entertainment. The common element in all three of these is that we are that 
I. The we and the I, us. We're the ones determining that list, aren't we? The things to do today is written by us. The things that we see as important, urgent, necessary, important, and uh, entertaining. Those things that we recognize, we want to do. So when you or I make the list, we are determining then these things. We're determining what our focus is going to be on a particular day. And in the process of determining these things, it's greatly affected by who we are more like. We look at these two ladies. Remember Mary and Martha? We talked about them some time ago this morning. We're back on that now. Mary and Martha. Are you more like Martha or are you more like Mary? Or are you a combination of the two, which to me would just be crazy. For the guys this morning then, guys, let's, let's use Marvin and Mervin or something, okay? Because we don't like the idea of being calling, oh, you're such a Martha, you know? We don't like that. Even a Mary. So we'll be Marvin and Mervin. But the same rules still apply. Verse 40 tells us that Martha was distracted with much serving. It doesn't say Martha was serving. What does it say? It says she was distracted with much serving. While we see in verse 39 that Mary was what? She was focused on Jesus. Verse 39 says she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted. Not necessarily a bad thing, except for the fact that what? Jesus was in the house. Okay? Jesus was there. Jesus was with them. And Martha was distracted from much serving. So, all of you Marthas out there, what are you thinking right now? I know we have some Marthas. I can see that look in your eyes. <laughs> We've got Marthas out there. What are you thinking right now? You're, you're thinking, hey, without Marthas, nothing would get done. That's what you're thinking, right? But what does the text say? The text says that she was distracted from much serving. It doesn't say that it's urgent serving, does it? It doesn't even say that it's necessary serving. The text doesn't even say that it's important serving. It says that it's what? Distracted serving. She's distracted from much serving. So Martha was distracted. Distracted from what? Jesus was in the house. She was distracted from the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God in the house. Now, I thought about that this week and I thought, okay, Let's say we had a scenario where Jesus showed up at our house. Now I know Jesus is always at our house. Jesus is there. Whether you want to believe that or not, He's there. You know, so whatever we're saying, whatever we're doing, whatever we're watching, and you've got the guy that can do a banquet with a snap of his fingers, why not take it to Him? Why am I distracted with much serving, cooking, all that kind of stuff, when Jesus is in the house? Jesus is there. He's available. She could have went to him and said, Jesus, you know that little thing you did out there on the hill, you know, a few weeks back or whatever, you fed a bunch of people, got a bunch of people to feed here. I'd like to spend some time with you as well, but I'm awful busy. I'm distracted. I've got things to do. Could you whip up some, some food for us real quick, Jesus? But Martha was so busy doing these many other things, she, she totally missed what was important and necessary and you've got the guy that can do a banquet with a snap of his fingers why not take it to him why am I distracted with much serving cooking all that kind of stuff when Jesus is in the house <laughs> Jesus is there he's available she could have went to him and said Jesus you know that little thing you did out there on the hill you know a few weeks back or whatever you fed a bunch of people got a bunch of people to feed here I'd like to spend some time with you as well, but I'm awful busy. I'm distracted. I've got things to do. Could you whip up some, some food for us real quick, Jesus? But Martha was so busy doing these many other things, she, she totally missed what was important and necessary. And if not dealt with, it was going to become urgent. It was going to be an urgent situation. She was going to be in crisis mode. 
And we see by her reaction in this verse, it had reached that point. It had reached a point of feverish, a fever level where she's hot. She's not happy. <laughs> Martha is disgusted with her sister that's not helping. So we see in the second half of verse 40 that when they are distracted from much serving, and if not dealt with, it was going to become urgent. It was going to be an urgent situation. She was going to be in crisis mode. And we see by her reaction in this verse, it had reached that point. It had reached a point of feverish, a fever level where she's hot. She's not happy. <laughs> Martha is disgusted with her sister that's not helping. So we see in the second half of verse 40 that when they are distracted from much serving, the Marys don't care much, excuse me, the Marthas don't care much for the Marys, do they? In fact, I would go so far to say as the Marys don't care much, excuse me, the Marthas don't care much for the Marys, do they? In fact, I would go so far to say as the Marys, I'm going to eat me. The Marys are annoyed by the Marthas. The Marthas are annoyed by the Marys. Either or. Think about it. Since I've gotten totally confused, it goes either way, all right? Stay with me now. <laughs> but certainly, the Marys annoy the Marthas because the Marthas are very busy and the Marys are doing nothing, right? That's what's going on here. Martha goes to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I don't know exactly how Martha said it, but that's the way I hear it. I don't know if you're aware, however, Martha has let, or Mary has left me to do everything. Sister one is not working with sister two. Okay. Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, I kind of see a boldness in Martha here, um, which I think is probably a trait of most, most Marthas. They're bold. But to go to the Lord, to go to God Himself, and first of all say, I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> yeah, I was. But my sister is not helping. Yeah, I saw that too. Tell her to help me. She did the right thing in taking it to the Lord, didn't she? We know that. But the whole telling the Lord what to do, it's, it's just a very bold statement, I think. Like we've never done that ourselves. Right? Have you ever told the Lord, Lord, you need to take care of this. You know, hands on the hips. I can almost see Martha doing that. That thing. I don't do that well. I know that. But, you know, that thing going on. Do you not see this? She is not helping at all. Jesus, do you see this? Of course he does. And she'd already, obviously, she's already tried the, sister, you better get up off that floor and come help right now. You know, she's probably give her the looks and everything else to let her know, I am not happy. The Marys, <laughs> I'm eat me. <laughs> the Marys are annoyed by the Marthas. The Marthas are annoyed by the Marys. Either or. Think about it. Since I've gotten totally confused, it goes either way, all right? Stay with me now. <laughs> but certainly, the Marys annoy the Marthas because the Marthas are very busy and the Marys are doing nothing, right? That's what's going on here. Martha goes to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I don't know exactly how Martha said it, but that's the way I hear it. I don't know if you're aware, however, Martha has let, or Mary has left me to do everything. Sister one is not working with sister two. Okay. Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, I kind of see a boldness in Martha here, um, which I think is probably a trait of most most Marthas. They're bold. But to go to the Lord, to go to God Himself, and first of all say, I don't know if you're aware of this. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I was. But my sister is not helping. Yeah, I saw that too. Tell her to help me. She did the right thing in taking it to the Lord, didn't she? We know that. But the whole telling the Lord what to do, it's, it's just a very bold statement, I think. Like we've never done that ourselves. Right? Have you ever told the Lord, Lord, you need to take care of this. You know, hands on the hips. I can almost see Martha doing that. That thing. I don't do that well. I know that. But, you know, that thing going on. Do you not see this? She is not helping at all. Jesus, do you see this? Of course he does. And she'd already, obviously, she's already tried the sister. You better get up off that floor and come help right now. You know, she's probably give her the looks and everything else to let her know, I am not happy. But that didn't work. So what does she do? She takes it to the Lord. Lord, you obviously haven't noticed what's going on here. You need to let her know that I am serving much and she is doing nothing. But that didn't work. So what does she do? She takes it to the Lord. Lord, you obviously haven't noticed what's going on here. You need to let her know that I am serving much and she is doing nothing. In the church today, <laughs> that statement that I just made, do you think that's ever repeated in the church today where look at everything that I'm doing and that one over there? Nothing. Not doing a thing. We point that finger of accusation and they're just not doing what I'm, I'm doing way more Lord you see what I'm doing right I should be getting great credit in heaven I hope Mary has to live in a dirty house when she gets to heaven mine's clean everything's prepared that'll show her that'll get her but we tend to point that finger of accusation towards others when we think we're doing way more than they are and they're not doing anything why is that Maybe, just maybe, they're like Mary and they're sitting focused on Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha may have said, Lord, she's so heavenly minded, she's no earthly good. How many of you have heard that? That's just not true. There is no truth in that statement whatsoever. We cannot be too heavenly minded, can we? Now some of us in the church today, that statement that I just made, do you think that's ever repeated in the church today where look at everything that I'm doing and that one over there? Nothing. Not doing a thing. We point that finger of accusation and they're just not doing what... I'm, I'm doing way more. Lord, you see what I'm doing, right? I should be getting great credit in heaven. I hope Mary has to live in a dirty house when she gets to heaven. Mine's clean. Everything's prepared. That'll show her. That'll get her. But we tend to point that finger of accusation towards others when we think we're doing way more than they are and they're not doing anything. Why is that? Maybe, just maybe, they're like Mary and they're sitting focused on Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha may have said, Lord, she's so heavenly minded, she's no earthly good. How many of you have heard that? That's just not true. There is no truth in that statement whatsoever. We cannot be too heavenly minded, can we? Now, some of us still not be very much earthly good, you know, but we can't be too heavenly minded. Still not be very much earthly good, you know, but we can't be too heavenly minded. So, Jesus responds to Martha with this in verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And as we know our Lord and Savior, as we know how He treats us, responds to us, loves us, encourages us, I don't think that this was a Jesus being annoyed at Martha at all. Do you? I think it was grace and mercy and compassion that he's saying Martha Martha no Martha the understanding of Jesus the compassion of Jesus the patience of Jesus oh, Martha 
Martha, you know you're worried and you're troubled about many, many things. So Jesus responds to Martha with this in verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. And as we know our Lord and Savior, as we know how he treats us, responds to us, loves us, encourages us, I don't think that this was a Jesus being annoyed at Martha at all, do you? I think it was grace and mercy and compassion that he's saying, Martha, Martha, oh Martha. The understanding of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the patience of Jesus. Martha, Martha, you know you're worried and you're troubled about many, many things. Now, in the last verses of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus addresses this very thing. It's, it's for those that are worried and troubled. Matthew 6.33 says, but what? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, what things? What things are going to be added unto me? the very things that are worrying and troubling you, Jesus is going to take care of it. Take it to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be heavenly minded. If I'm getting stressed out, if I'm getting burnt out, if I'm getting fed up, then I'm trying to do something out of the flesh. I'm trying to do it on my own energy, on my own strength, my own will, my own focus. My own things to do today list. Now in the last verses of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus addresses this very thing. It's it's for those that are worried and troubled. Matthew 6.33 says, but what? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well, what things? What things are going to be added unto me? the very things that are worrying and troubling you, Jesus is going to take care of it. Take it to Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be heavenly minded. If I'm getting stressed out, if I'm getting burnt out, if I'm getting fed up, then I'm trying to do something out of the flesh. I'm trying to do it on my own energy, on my own strength, my own will, my own focus. My own things to do today list. If I'm doing it without dependency upon and the necessity of spending time with Jesus, I am going to move into burnout. I'm going to move into being wore out, tired. If I'm doing it without dependency upon and the necessity of spending time with Jesus, I am going to move into Burnout. I'm going to move into being wore out, tired. It becomes strife in my life. And also notice the critical spirit in Martha towards Mary. She has went into attack mode, hasn't she? She's become a me monster. My sister has left me to serve. Tell her to help me. It's all about me. Get your focus on me and off of Jesus. It's almost like that's what she's saying. It becomes strife in my life. And also notice the critical spirit in Martha towards Mary. She has went into attack mode, hasn't she? She's become a me monster. My sister has left me to serve. Tell her to help me. It's all about me. Get your focus on me and off of Jesus. It's almost like that's what she's saying. But Jesus tells her one thing is needed in verse 42. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Another translation says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Look at Mary. Mary wants to spend time with me, Jesus is saying. That's important. Mary needs to spend time with me because it's it's necessary. It's necessary. And if Mary doesn't do this in her life, 
things are going to become urgent. There's going to need to be a change because Mary, Martha, Jim, whoever is going to become tired and burnt out and trying to do things on their own and wore out. Can I get an amen on that this morning? How many of us have been there? We've all been there, haven't we? Trying to just do it on our own. What did we see way back at the beginning of the study what Jesus did to set the course for his day? He went off to a solitary place and he spent time with the Lord. Spent time with his Father. So that the Father now is directing his things to do today list. But because of Martha's busyness, because she's serving out of the flesh, she has neglected the important, she's neglected the necessary, and it now requires that which is urgent. She needs to be spending the proper time with Jesus, like Mary has done. But Jesus tells her one thing is needed in verse 42. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Another translation says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Look at Mary. Mary wants to spend time with me, Jesus is saying. That's important. Mary needs to spend time with me because it's, it's necessary. It's necessary. And if Mary doesn't do this in her life, things are going to become urgent. There's going to need to be a change because Mary, Martha, Jim, whoever is going to become tired and burnt out and trying to do things on their own and wore out. Can I get an amen on that this morning? How many of us have been there? We've all been there, haven't we? Trying to just do it on our own. What did we see way back at the beginning of the study, what Jesus did? To set the course for his day, he went off to a solitary place and he spent time with the Lord. Spent time with his Father. So that the Father now is directing his things to do today list. But because of Martha's busyness, because she's serving out of the flesh, she has neglected the important, she's neglected the necessary, and it now requires that which is urgent. She needs to be spending the proper time with Jesus, like Mary has done. You see this tyranny of the urgent, that little book that I referenced? It's double-sided. We take our focus off Jesus, and then what happens is the enemy draws us towards an urgent, which isn't urgent at all. He's trying to distract us. He's distracted us from much and taking us into a place of much busyness. We are distracted in that. Our focus is gone off of where it should be, and we need to get that back. We've stepped into urgent. It's urgent now. Spending the proper time with Jesus. What is truly urgent, what is truly necessary, what is truly important for us to not get stressed out, burned out, tired, and develop a critical attitude, we just kind of get whacked out all the way around don't we we're just not in a good place when that happens we need to be renewed refreshed rejuvenated by spending time at the feet of jesus and we see that in verse 42 it says that's the good part that's the beneficial part that's the part that will never be taken away jesus will never leave us or forsake us he's always there right it's just a matter of, are we too busy to even recognize it? Are we too busy to take the time to just sit down and spend time with the Lord? Early in the morning is the example that Jesus set for us. Why do you suppose that is? You see this tyranny of the urgent, that little book that I referenced? It's double-sided. We take our focus off Jesus, and then what happens is the enemy draws us towards an urgent which isn't urgent at all. He's trying to distract us. He's distracted us from much and taken us into a place of much busyness. We are distracted in that. Our focus is gone off of where it should be and we need to get that back. We've stepped into urgent. 
It's urgent now. Spending the proper time with Jesus. What is truly urgent, what is truly necessary, what is truly important for us to not get stressed out, burned out, tired, and develop a critical attitude. We just kind of get whacked out all the way around, don't we? We're just not in a good place when that happens. We need to be renewed, refreshed, rejuvenated by spending time at the feet of Jesus. And we see that in verse 42 it says, that's the good part. That's the beneficial part. That's the part that will never be taken away. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He's always there, right? It's just a matter of, are we too busy to even recognize it? Are we too busy to take the time to just sit down and spend time with the Lord? Early in the morning is the example that Jesus set for us. Why do you suppose that is? The same thing it was for Jesus, to get on proper track for the course of the rest of the day. We don't know what the day holds, do we? We have our list, and we, have, we get in the car, we head off to work or wherever, school, whatever it is. We have in our mind this picture of kind of what the day is going to be like. Some of us may be in a place where we're like, I am not looking forward to today. It's not going to be a good day. Some of us may be, I am looking forward to today. It's going to be a good day. The same thing it was for Jesus, to get on proper track for the course of the rest of the day. We don't know what the day holds, do we? We have our list, and we, have, we get in the car, we head off to work or wherever, school, whatever it is. We have in our mind this picture of kind of what the day is going to be like. Some of us may be in a place where we're like, I am not looking forward to today. It's not going to be a good day. Some of us may be, I am looking forward to today. It's going to be a good day. And anything can come along and distract us from that thought process, can it? But if we spent time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to set the course for what our day is going to be like, He has strengthened us. He has given us spiritual sustenance. We've talked about that before. Physical sustenance is food. Spiritual sustenance is that which I need from the Lord to get through the day spiritually. And anything can come along and distract us from that thought process, can it? But if we spent time with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to set the course for what our day is going to be like, He has strengthened us. He has given us spiritual sustenance. We've talked about that before. Physical sustenance is food. Spiritual sustenance is that which I need from the Lord to get through the day spiritually. He's going to give us, He's going to feed us what is necessary to handle whatever comes along during the day. Now, it's not like we spend that time with the Lord and as we're leaving, okay, Lord, see you later. <laughs> see you tonight. When I get back to the house, I'm going to go out in the world. He's with us through the whole day, isn't he? So at any point in time during the day, when we feel ourselves getting a little off course, a little off track, a little off the list of things to do today that he has for us, he's going to give us, he's going to feed us what is necessary to handle whatever comes along during the day. Now, it's not like we spend that time with the Lord and as we're leaving, okay, Lord, see you later. <laughs> see you tonight. When I get back to the house, I'm going to go out in the world. He's with us through the whole day, isn't he? So at any point in time during the day when we feel ourselves getting a little off course, a little off track, a little off the list of things to do today that he has for us, we spend that time with the Lord. Just a quick little prayer. Oh, Lord, I, I can see I'm distracted here. I, I can tell that I'm just moving in a direction that I'm getting stressed out. I'm getting burnt out. I'm getting critical even towards others because I'm not focused where I need to be focused, which is on you. So spending our time first thing in the morning getting that things to do today list from the Lord. Early in the morning at the beginning of the day Going over that list with Jesus, there's nothing wrong with us taking our list to Jesus, is there? Lord, here's what I got going on today. Approve, disapprove, what, you know, help me purge this list to get it down to that list of things that you want me to do today. And at the top of the list, it's always going to be, keep your focus on me. And that's going to drive everything else that we have going on during the course of our day, if we keep that focus. Letting him determine Determine our priorities. 
Let Him determine what's necessary, what's important. As we come before Him in humility, let Him determine for us, reveal to us, that which is urgent, that which is necessary, that which is important, and that which is entertainment as well. Jesus doesn't mind us being entertained. He's certainly entertained by us, <laughs> without a doubt, right? <laughs> so he doesn't mind us having some time of entertainment, if you will, keeping our focus upon him, not getting distracted in some way. So I ask this morning, uh, for all of us, myself included, is there something urgent in your life right now that Jesus needs to help you deal with? Is there something that requires immediate attention by the Lord? Is there some sin, some circumstance that you've tried for too long to take care of yourself or fix yourself out of the flesh, out of your own strength? Is there anything there that God would want to point out to you, this has become urgent. It's urgent now. We spend that time with the Lord, just a quick little prayer. Oh, Lord, I, I can see I'm distracted here. I, I can tell that I'm just moving in a direction that I'm getting stressed out. I'm getting burned out. I'm getting critical even towards others because I'm not focused where I need to be focused, which is on you. So spending our time first thing in the morning, getting that things to do today list from the Lord. Early in the morning, at the beginning of the day, going over that list with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with us taking our list to Jesus, is there? Lord, here's what I got going on today. Approve, disapprove, what, you know, help me purge this list to get it down to that list of things that you want me to do today. And at the top of the list, it's always going to be, keep your focus on me. And that's going to drive everything else that we have going on during the course of our day if we keep that focus. Letting Him determine, determine our priorities. Let Him determine what's necessary, what's important. As we come before Him in humility, let Him determine for us, reveal to us, that which is urgent, that which is necessary, that which is important, and that which is entertainment as well. Jesus doesn't mind us being entertained. He's certainly entertained by us, <laughs> without a doubt, right? <laughs> so he doesn't mind us having some time of entertainment, if you will, keeping our focus upon him, not getting distracted in some way. So I ask this morning, uh, for all of us, myself included, is there something urgent in your life right now that Jesus needs to help you deal with? Is there something that requires immediate attention by the Lord? Is there some sin, some circumstance that you've tried for too long to take care of yourself or fix yourself out of the flesh, out of your own strength? Is there anything there that God would want to point out to you, this has become urgent? It's urgent now. Matthew 11, verse 28 says, The Lord speaking this to us, Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's a verse that Jesus could have quoted from his own word <laughs> to Martha, couldn't he? Oh, Martha, come to me because you're laboring, you're heavy laden. I can give you rest. He would say that to her. To us this morning, he would say, Come to me. Sit at my feet. Rest in me. Amen.